So we're finishing up today our sermon series that we've been doing over the last couple of months about the heart of God. Um, we've been really trying to learn more about who God is, um, what kind of a heart he has, in order to better be able to understand how he wants us to live our own lives. Um, Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So we're working on this spiritual journey that um, just continues to go on through our entire lives as we're, we're working to become more um, Christ-like, to understand more about the heart of God. And um, because we all need a refresher every once in a while, and you know, we started this about, I think, eight weeks ago now, um, just wanna look a little bit at what we've learned so far. So what have we learned about the heart of God? And over the past um, several months of sermons and of messages, We've learned that to have a heart like God is to have a heart that sees, a heart that speaks up, a heart that serves others, a heart that accepts God's will, a heart that forgives others, a heart that equips others, a heart that includes others, and a heart that believes. So, um, right, really easy, no big deal, nothing, nothing too hard, right? Um, definitely uh, good to have a little refresher on all these things that we've been learning as we as we go along our spiritual journey and today we're going to talk about um, the last aspect that that we've decided to talk about and we're going to learn about the fact that um, God has a heart that proclaims the truth God has a heart that is truth and so we're reading this morning from um, the book of Acts the book of Acts is the first book in the New Testament after the four Gospels, and it talks about um, really the early church. So remember, when we get to the end of the Gospels, we're at this point where um, we've got this little ragtag band of, of disciples and, and a few followers, and Jesus has died, and what is going on after that? You know, we go from that to what we see in the world today. And so the book of Acts really kind of talks about those um, beginning years. And so we're reading from chapter 14 today. So if you have your, your Bible, I would just encourage you to go ahead and get, out, get it out or open up your Bible app on your phone um, and get ready to look at um, Acts chapter 14. 13 and 14, those two chapters, uh, kind of chronicle Paul's first missionary journey. And so we see in the book of Acts that, um, that as, as persecution starts to increase among the Christians in Jerusalem, people start to disperse. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch um, at this time, and the church there has been growing. And around AD 47, the Holy Spirit prompts the people of the church to set aside Paul and Barnabas for some kind of a special work. And so they pray and they fast and they, they uh, lay their hands on Paul and Barnabas and they end up sending them out to, um, to spread the word of God, to spread the word of Jesus um, beyond where they're at in Antioch. And so they travel around and they're preaching God's word and many people came to believe they had a lot of success, but they were not without opposition. 
and they faced opposition from the Jewish people in these areas that they were traveling to. Now, the reason they're facing opposition is that, you know, we remember that this is a brand new concept for these Jewish people, that they always considered themselves, um, you know, in these times to be a group that was very set apart and unique and um, righteous and um, that kind of the word of God was exclusive for them. And as Jesus came in and he starts to talk about loving your neighbor and um, loving um, all the people who are different from you, the mindset is starting to change, but, but there's still people who are fighting this kind of idea. And we read in Acts 13 um, that uh, Paul and Barnabas spoke out loudly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, meaning the Jewish people, um, but since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And so the Jewish people of the time are, are trying to deal with all these changes in, in what they had believed and what they had followed from generation upon generation. And um, now all of a sudden, here are Paul and Barnabas, and they're going out, and they're turning from, from preaching just to the Jews in the synagogues to preaching to the Gentiles, to preaching to the non-Jewish, the non-circumcised people. And so there was a lot of pushback going on. Um, the Gentiles were pleased. We read in um, 13, verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So they were really happy about this turn of events, and they were flocking and listening and coming to a, a saving belief in Jesus. Um, but the Jewish people of the time, some of them, they weren't quite so pleased themselves. And so there were groups of, of people, of Jewish people, who would um, kind of incite and rile up um, influential men and women in the area, and they would run Paul and Barnabas out of town. And so this is what's happening as we start our scripture this morning. And so this is where we are at the beginning of Acts 14. And so um, Barnabas and Paul are preaching um, they're preaching to both Jews and to Greeks, and they're all becoming believers, and there's this small group of Jewish people who are unhappy. And what I really want to talk about this morning that comes out in our reading today is the idea of, of like I said, you know, God has a heart that proclaims the truth. And so I want to look at two different aspects of truth this morning. One is the truth that we believe, and the other one is the truth that we proclaim. And so I'm gonna start by reading um, Acts 14, verses one through seven, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible. It goes like this. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinions about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. 
When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. And so there were people who were on both sides, people who were listening to the apostles, people who were listening to um, this band of people who were trying to um, incite discontent. And um, we know that in this day and age, in our own world, that that's really not something that's far from our own um, version of reality, our own um, world that we live in now. There's, there's just so many conflicting voices that we can listen to. Um, we've got friends and we've got family and, you know, we've got different news stations with all kinds of different biases. We've got newspapers and magazines and, and podcasts and et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. So many different voices, so many different stories. What is it that we're listening to? What is it that we're choosing to believe? And so I was um, on Facebook um, earlier this week and I came across a TED talk that just really was profound to me. And it was a woman and her name is Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And now she is a woman from Nigeria and she was speaking about a topic that she called the danger of a single story. And she had just a fascinating talk and she is a, a woman who was born and grew up in Nigeria and who moved to the United States to go to university. And when she got to university and she had her roommate, um, her roommate said things to her like, you know, where did you learn to speak English so well? And, um, you know, she responded by saying that English is actually the national um, language of Nigeria. And um, the roommate asked her, you know, well, can I listen to some of your tribal music? And I think the woman said, you know, I pulled out my CD of Mariah Carey. Um, because there's like this single story, this single idea that people hear and people believe and they don't go any further than that. And that was this experience that she had, this idea of, you know, when you just listen to a single narrative, when you just listen to a single story, um, you're unable to see how people are the same. You know, you just look at how people are different. And so there's danger in, in who you listen to, what you listen to, um, and how narrow sometimes your, your vision can be. And sometimes how wide your vision can be. You know, sometimes you're listening to so many people that you just don't even know where to turn. You don't know where the truth is. And so the question becomes, you know, who is it that you believe? And, you know, you look at these people who were listening to Paul and Barnabas with all these different voices that they're hearing, who is it that they believe? And the scripture tells us they were divided. Some went with the apostles, some went with the others. So what is it that we believe? Where can we um, turn to when we want the actual truth? You know, the, um, the reality of the situation, I suppose. And so we think about, you know, what is truth? And we think about the fact that the word of God is truth. God is truth. God's word is truth. And there's so many different places in scripture where we're gonna hear exactly those words. You know, John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, John 17 sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. 
Psalm 119, the sum of your word is truth. So, you know, we're getting the idea here. The word of God is truth. We were doing um, encouraging words this week about the armor of God, and we talked about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it's powerful because the word of God is truth. And sometimes we don't really want to hear that truth. Sometimes the truth can be hard to hear. And we like to um, kind of stick with what's familiar to us. We want, to, we want to stay in that area where we're comfortable. We don't really want to hear um, the actual truth because we kind of like the truth that we know. And I was thinking, I was talking to some friends this week and um, kind of talking about a friend of a friend, let's say, who um, has a health issue. And this person has had this health issue for, oh, a good number of years, maybe 15 or more. And, and this person um, has to know that there's something that's not quite right, but is comfortable in their own truth. They don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to hear the reality of the situation. They don't want to hear the real truth because they're comfortable in what they believe and what they know and, and their own little version of reality. Um, people don't always want to stretch out beyond that. Um, I was also thinking about um, you know, the, the line that kept going through my head, you know, you can't handle the truth uh, that wonderful movie with uh, Jack Nicholson and um, Tom Cruise, um, A Few Good Men, where they're, they're arguing in the courtroom and, and Tom Cruise is trying to get Jack Nicholson to you know, say the truth, I want the truth, I want the truth, and Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. Um, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, right? Sometimes, um, sometimes God's word brings things out, brings things to the surface for us that um, we'd really rather not face. And so when we think about the truth that we believe, what is the truth that we are believing? Are we sticking to our own version of reality? Um, are we listening to everybody else out there? Or are we listening to the people who know what they're talking about? Are we listening to um, the word of truth that comes through God's word because you know, God's word in the end is really the only truth that you can really count on and always count on. And so we talk about the truth that we believe um, in all this conflicting stuff that's going on in the world. Where do we, where do we put our ears? Where do we put our eyes? Um, and then we talk about the truth that we proclaim. So what is the truth that, that we say? How do we um, live our lives so that um, we are staying in that path of the truth. And so I'm going to go ahead and continue reading from um, Acts 14, starting in verse 8 and going on through verse 18. So it goes like this. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus 
and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. And so Paul and Barnabas find themselves in this position where um, people are treating them like gods. People are ready to sacrifice to them and they have a choice to make. Are they gonna go along with this or are they going to proclaim the truth? I remember there was a time, probably a couple years back, when um, I was going through the drive-through at Dunkin' Donuts, and you know, I went through the long line, and I got my coffee, and I pulled off, and I realized that I had been given the wrong change. Um, it wasn't a lot. I think maybe it was a dollar, maybe two dollars, and so I started to pull um, out of the parking lot, and I thought, oh, you know, it's just a couple dollars, and well, you know, the line is really long. I don't really want to go back over there, and. Um, I'm trying to, you know, get someplace and, you know, it's only a dollar or two. What's the big deal? Um, but I was really convicted. I could not pull out of that parking lot, even though it was just a dollar or two, even though it meant I was going to be late for, you know, wherever I happened to be going at the time, even though it meant I um, either had to go through a long line at the drive through or park and walk in. Um, I had to stay true to myself and I had to go in and bring in that money, bring in that change. Um, even though it didn't seem like a big deal, even though um, it was much easier to just go ahead and keep the dollar or two and drive away, I knew that I had to go back in and I needed to give that money back. And if I remember correctly, they probably looked at me really strangely, I seem to remember you know, a look like, what, you know, what are you doing, lady, bringing this back? But, um, you know, it was what I had to do. It was what God was telling me to do. And it was what I knew, it was the way that I knew God wanted me to live my life, was, was to proclaim the truth, was to um, not make that choice of, of just driving away, but of making the right choice of going in and, and giving this money back. Um, and who knows, you know, it may not have been a big deal. Nobody may have known. Um, but that's not really what matters, right? What matters is the fact that there was a right way to go and there was a wrong way to go. And um, it's important that we, we go ahead and proclaim the truth and walk down that path. And now, so that's what, you know, that's what Paul and Barnabas end up doing. They don't go down the path of, of allowing these people to, to honor them and to treat them as gods. They make this choice to, to rip their clothes and to proclaim the truth and to let them know who they really are. And you know who really knows where the gospel would have gone if they had done anything differently at this point. Um, it maybe it maybe the path wouldn't have been changed, but um, I'm not really sure that the gospel gospel would have 
uh, proceeded the way it did if they had made that compromise at that point. Sometimes it's even just those really small compromises that we make that kind of um, take us down the wrong path. So earlier this summer, we were up in North Conway, New Hampshire, and we were tubing on the Seiko River. And we had three tubes and they were all tied together and um, the water was low and we were trying to navigate and stay away from the edges and other people and the rocks. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, you have to be really careful when you change your course that sometimes even just a little, a little course correction can just you know, put you off in all kinds of different directions. And you know, we started talking about um, science fiction space movies and you know, Star Trek and Star Wars and you know, starships changing their, their course. And um, I was thinking about the, the very old video game of asteroids, you know, when you'd give, you'd give your, your little rocket a little boost and all of a sudden you'd go off the screen and come off on the other side. Um, so sometimes even just the smallest little, little veering from one direction to another can cause really big um, changes, really big things in the end. There's a really good song by a Christian group called Cast, excuse me, Casting Crowns, and the name of the song is Slow Fade. And some of the words go like this, uh, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little feet where you go. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And that's what we're talking about here. Sometimes it's just a small compromise. It's a small untruth. It's a small um, going along with something that you really know you shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, you know, hours or days or weeks or months, you kind of look back and you realize, man, I am just so far away from, from where I started. You know, people don't generally wake up one day and decide, you know, well, you know, I've lived my life well up to this point, but today is the day. Today is the day I am going to um, step outside of my marriage and have an affair. Today is the day that I'm gonna go into work and um, steal money from, from my company. Um, today is the day where I'm gonna go ahead and um, accept something that isn't mine or um, take, the, take the credit for something that I didn't do. You don't really just wake up one day and all of a sudden go from here to here. You make these little course adjustments along the way. You make these little compromises and next thing you know, you're kind of way over here and you don't, you don't really know how you got there. But it was this one little compromise that you made, this one little time where Paul and Barnabas were being treated like gods and they just decided for the sake of, of you know, time or whatever, it was easier, it was to their benefit to just go along with it. And then all of a sudden, they ended up here. But thankfully, that's not what happened. They made the right choice all the way over here. They made that right choice not to um, veer off the path a little bit. I was talking with um, a friend of mine who is um, in recovery, and he was telling me this story, and it really speaks to this whole concept. And he was telling me the story of this person who was in recovery and was doing really well, and um, had gone to a store, um, I think it was, in, it was in a city somewhere, and had gone through and was putting through their groceries and putting it in the bag, and realized that they got 
um, a, a package of hot dogs for free. Didn't ring in. And, you know, looked around, nobody noticed. It was, you know, a couple dollars, package of hot dogs in the bag, and thought, you know, it's a couple dollars, what's the big deal? Um, I got it for free, that's kind of cool. Nobody knows the difference. Um, it's not really hurting anybody. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and just, you know, pay for what I pay for and go. And some weeks later, this person ended up um, following, falling off their recovery and ending up, you know, at the proverbial, um, you know, low spot of their lives. And as they reflected um, some time later when they had gotten back up and out, um, they tied it back to that time, that one time where they made this little compromise and all of a sudden it ended up with them, um, you know, half dead on the street somewhere back in the throes of their addiction. One little compromise can sometimes just put you down this slippery slope and you end up in the place where you didn't want to be. Because of this one, this one time, this one thing where you compromise your values. Just doesn't seem like a really big deal, but you compromise your values. And that's the important thing not to do. You know, I was saying earlier that um, I moved Jamie into school and you know, she's child number four and um, it doesn't get any easier by the way. It doesn't matter which child it is, it's still really hard to leave them. And, as I was spending this time with her, I was thinking to myself, you know, there's, there's got to be some words of wisdom I have for this child. You know, what kind of parting words of wisdom can I give to her? And I realized that, you know, she's not perfect. None of us are perfect, but she's lived a really good 18 years so far. And, you know, I feel pretty confident that um, Rick and I have raised her well and, and she's in a good place. And so the words I had for Jamie as I left her was, you know, stay true to yourself. Don't compromise your values. If you stay true to the values that you've had, that you've been raised with, that you've grown up with for 18 years, you're gonna be okay. Just stay true to who you are and don't compromise that. Um, C.S. Lewis says, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. So there she is down in Florida and certainly I'm not around watching. Um, but integrity is doing the right thing. Integrity is doing what you know is right. It's staying that path, it's staying true to yourself, staying true to your values, even when nobody else is watching, even when you think it's a small thing, even when you think that it's really not gonna have a big effect on anybody, integrity is just so important. Stay true to your values. Proclaim the truth that you know through the word of God. Um, there's a Latin phrase, it says, quorum Dio, and it means in the presence of God. So even though we think that, you know, we can look around and nobody's looking and mom's not there and the, the person at the store isn't watching or, um, you know, the person in the Dunkin' Donuts isn't going to know the difference from, you know, a dollar being, um, dollar extra being given in change. Coram Dio, we live in the presence of God. And it's this idea from Christian theology that kind of summarizes the idea of the fact that we live in the presence of and under the authority of and to the honor and glory of God all the time. Not just when other people are watching, but all the time. And so John 8, 31 through 32 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth, believing the truth in God's word, 
proclaiming the truth, staying true to yourself and to the values, your Christian values, um, in those times even when it seems like a small compromise, or in those times where, you know, you don't think it's a big deal or nobody's really watching. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so having a heart like God and living a life that brings honor and glory to God means that we believe the truth and it means that we proclaim the truth. John Wesley speaks of um, something called sanctifying grace. And sanctifying grace is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit that changes us, changes us from the inside so that our lives are increasingly conformed to the mind of Christ. And so that's where we are on our spiritual walk. If we've lear as we've learned about the heart of God and we've, we've um, tried to mold our lives so that we can uh, become more like Christ as we go through our spiritual walk and our spiritual journey and, and this sanctifying grace as we try to go on towards this Christian perfection. Because we know that, you know, Jesus tells us in the scripture, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And it certainly doesn't mean that we're gonna be free from mistakes, doesn't mean we're gonna be free from temptations, and it certainly doesn't mean that we're gonna be free from all failures. Um, we know that we're not perfect, right? There was only one person who was free from all of that, and his name was Jesus, and, and um, we're not him. So we are certainly not perfect. And you know, Paul understood that. Paul said in Philippians 3, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We strive towards Christian perfection because Christ has died for us, because God has given us the gift of his son, given us the gift of salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we press on, we run the race that's before us, and we strive towards this perfection, being perfect in love, trying to conform our lives more to the mind of Christ. And so we abide, we abide in the word of God. We work our way towards this idea of Christian perfection through sanctifying grace. And we fill ourselves, we fill ourselves with the love of Christ and then we serve others in love as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you we thank you so much for the gift of your son and the example that he's given us. We thank you for the example of your heart so that we know how to live our lives, Lord, so that we, we can work this path, that we can work towards this idea of, of conforming our lives to Christ. We just ask that you be with us as we just go forward in our days, that we know where to turn for the truth, that we know we can turn to your word for the truth, and that we proclaim the truth, that we just act with integrity in all situations, that even in those times when people aren't watching us, when we don't feel that it's such a big idea, help us to remember that um, a small compromise just sets us down the wrong path. Help us to just stay that straight path, Lord, and be guided by you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.